Hi friends, welcome to the FBC Zealand Teaching Podcast. We are a local church in Zealand, Michigan, and we desire to know Christ and to make Him known. We invite you into the same journey with us now as we open the scriptures and as we ask God to teach us and reveal Himself to us in His Word. Thanks for stopping by. You can turn in your Bibles to Psalm chapter 3. And we'll get there in just a couple of minutes. How many of you used a shield this week? We'll come to back to that in just a minute. All right, so let me start this. How many of you have been to Florida? How many of you got sunburned when you were in Florida? All right, so probably my first trip to Florida was about 45 years ago. We went with the uh, four of us, and uh, we got there like in the middle of the afternoon. And so we didn't have a lot of time, but we thought we'll get to the beach anyhow and get some sun today. And so we went out there, and we laid in the sun, and you know, we were in such a hurry, and we weren't going to be there that long, so we didn't bother with suntan lotion. And uh, laid there a little bit, and yeah, we're okay. Yeah, we're okay. A little more, a little more. And that little bit we were going to do kind of got to be a lot. Well, so finally we, we leave the beach, and we go to our rooms, and you know, after a little bit, I'm like, I'm starting to hurt. And now I realize how red I am. And the four of us were like glowing embers. We were so red. So we needed some relief. So we went and sought out the nearest drugstore we could find. And four of us are walking through the drugstore like this. And somebody came to us and said, if you're looking for the solar cane, it's over there. And solar cane is a spray you would put on your sunburn to give yourself some relief. We were crispy critters. You know what we forgot? We forgot to put on a shield. We didn't do the suntan lotion. See, you're thinking shield as a shield, but we use a shield every day of our lives. I'm a woodworker. When I get out my table saw, in fact, I have them here. Um, I'm going to use these later, but... I wear my safety, my safety shields, okay? Because when I'm cutting, I don't want any kickback to get in my eyes. And when it gets really loud, I put on my ear shields. Oh, ear muffs, okay? And when I'm working outside and I'm digging, I put on my hand shields. I know, you call them gloves. And when I walk, I wear my shields on my feet because they're sharp stuff. You call them shoes. And when it's cold out, I put on my coat to protect me or defend me from the cold. Oh, I put on my shield. You call it a coat. We use a shield all the time. We just don't think of that word a lot. And so today when I talk to you about God being our shield, we don't use a shield. But a soldier in Bible times, if he would have heard God is our shield, he'd have gone, oh yeah, I get it right away. So let me read this passage for you, Psalm chapter 3. Oh Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. 
They're saying God will never rescue him. But you, O Lord, are a shield around me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head on high. I cried out to the Lord, and he answered me from his holy mountain. I lay down and slept. I woke in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, O God. Slap all my enemies in the face. Shatter the teeth of the wicked. Victory comes from you, O Lord. May your blessing rest on your people. Let's pray a minute. Father, we don't really understand the value of a shield because we don't think in that realm. So today, as we look at you, our Father, as being our shield, help us to understand what that means in our lives. And Father, I pray today that your word would be made clear and that it would change our lives because we've been here today. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen. So David is the author of this psalm. And he's writing it at a, at a hard time in his life. He says, oh, Lord, I have so many enemies. So many are against me. Well, David is the king. He's the anointed of God. He's the chosen of God. He's the appointed of God. How could so many people be against David? Well, I'm going to try and tell you quickly David's story. Um, his life is in chaos. So David has a number of children. He has a son named Absalom. And Absalom has a sister, Tamar. And Absalom and Tamar have a half-brother, Ammon, who is a brother from another mother. So we have this relationship. Well, Ammon looks at Tamar, and he says, Oh, I just love her so much. I have to have Tamar. I love her, I love her, I love her, I love her. And his life is consumed with, he loves her so much truth is it was lost not love it was desire and a cousin of Ammon's comes along and he says you're the king's son why of all people would you be walking around in a slump what's the matter and he says oh I love her so much I just want her and he says well here let me, let me help you with that so pretend that you're sick and then ask for Tamar to come and prepare a meal for you and to help you and to feed you and that will just make you feel so much better well, the plan is, and this is how it works out, Tamar comes and prepares a meal for Ammon. And Ammon says, oh, I'm so sick. I'm going to lay in bed and you feed me. And so Tamar goes and she starts to feed him. And Ammon assaults her. And then in shame, he throws her out. And the Bible says, remember how much he loved her? Now the Bible says he hated her more than he loved her because that lust didn't provide all that he wanted it wasn't God's plan well Absalom is enraged but Absalom takes Tamar into his family he doesn't do anything right away he waits about two years and now it's time to shear the sheep and that's kind of like a big deal at that time it's like festival time let's have the family all come over and he says I'm gonna have a big feast and he invites all of his brothers over and he says to his servants after they've been drinking a while I want you to kill Ammon. And they're like, what? And he says, look, I'll take the responsibility. 
I'm calling the shots. You do it. It's on me. And so they come. They have a feast. His servants kill Ammon. So now what happens? Absalom's got to flee. Absalom goes and lives with his grandfather, leaves, leaves the country. Well, after a couple of years, David wants Absalom to come back. This is his son. Well, his family's in turmoil here. You get in the picture? So Absalom comes back, but he can't go in to see David. He won't let him do that. But here's what Absalom does every day. He hired 50 men, and he says, you go before me. And he, he buys himself the slickest, neatest chariot with the fastest horses. And Absalom comes into the city riding his chariot with 50 guys running before him. And then Absalom stands in the gates. And when people come into the city, Absalom goes, well, what's going on? What's happening? And they pour out their heart to Absalom. And Absalom says, oh, boy, I wish the king had time to hear your story. That is, you have such a good case. It's too bad the king can't hear that. I'd really take care of you. Well, Absalom wins the heart of the people. And the people want to even bow down to him. It says they wanted to bow, and he says, oh, no, don't do that. And he gives him a handshake and a big hug. And Absalom wins the heart of the people, and eventually he wins the heart of the military. And Absalom decides he wants to be the king. So he moves to, goes to another city, has himself appointed as king. Now, how many kings can you have in a country? Just one. David hears that Absalom is king, and David rounds up his family and his household, and David's on the run. There's 600 soldiers that come with David who are loyal to him, but here's David's life. Here he is, the anointed of God, the chosen king, the appointed one. His family is in chaos. His son wants to kill him. The whole army is chasing after him, and here's the attitude of the people in verse 2. So many are saying God will never rescue him. It's like he hasn't got a chance. David's done. And David is on the run. So David is struggling. Have you ever felt this way with David? Psalm 35, 17 says, How long, O Lord... Will you look on and do nothing? Do you think David felt that way maybe? Or how about from Psalm 28, where it says, and this is David, and he says, Oh Lord, you are my rock of safety. Please help me. Don't refuse to answer me. For if you are silent, I might as well give up and die. David's life is in turmoil. He is struggling can you relate with David? Do you struggle ever in your life? Hey, um, Ephraim and some guys that you got to help you, I need you to come up here a minute. Because sometimes we struggle in life. There should be a couple, three guys coming. Yeah, just come up right over here if you would a minute. So Ephesians, Ephesians 6 talks about a shield. And let's just move on here a little bit, and I'll explain to you what I'm doing. Ephesians 6 talks about a shield. It talks about the armor of God, taking on the whole armor of God. And Ephesians 6 says, above all, take on the whole armor of God, or above all, take the shield of faith that you may be able to withstand the fiery darts of the devil. So I want to tell you that the world, and because of sin and Satan, throw fiery darts at us. Now, 
I'm not real bright, but I'm not stupid either. We're not going to use darts, and we're not going to use fire. So I need a couple more guys. Snellers, come up here a minute, will you? Come over here. So I want to illustrate for you this morning. Sometimes we struggle in life. Do you ever struggle with aloneness? We'll let this represent aloneness. Do you ever struggle with fear? Do you ever struggle with shame or guilt or pain or finance or job, worry? And the Bible says that Satan throws all these fiery darts at us. So we're going to illustrate this morning. So take a handful of balls. Oh, boy. Could we have a volunteer from the audience? <laughs> all right. You know all the stuff the world throws at us? Wait. I don't mind getting hit, but not in the eye. My shield. Let me have it. Give me your best shot. Come on. Give me your best shot. Come on. Give me your best shot. The world throws stuff at us all the time, and by myself, I'm defenseless. All right. That's good. Thanks. Go ahead. One more. Come on. Come on. Stay close. Stay close. I need you again. Right there. The world throws all kinds of stuff at us. And we need a shield. And sometimes we feel like David and say, God, are you ever going to listen? In fact, you might say, well, I'd, I'd never do that. Listen, let me tell you about the disciples. In Mark chapter 4, they're in a boat. And they're going across the sea. Jesus is in the front and Jesus is sleeping. And the disciples come to Jesus and they say, don't you even care that we drowned? They're in a panic. Jesus is right there. And they say, don't you even care? Listen, have you ever felt that way? You've got so many struggles. You've got so many things flying at you. And life is hard. Life is difficult. And you say, God, don't you even care that I'm drowning? That's where David is at here. He's hurting. He's struggling. His son is after him. But let's change the story here a minute. Back in verse 3. All right. His enemies are after him. Everybody says he hasn't got a chance. And then the word, but. All right. Now, listen, I got to tell you. English was not my subject. Especially the part where every word in the sentence gets a name. Like, why would you name a word? Why would you call it a verb? It's a word. But is but. Okay? So I, I don't get that. But here's, here's my take on the English language. But is an action word. Because in Scripture, when it says, but God, something's going to happen. So think about this. Uh, there's been a flood. Noah and his family have been floating on the water. They're in a boat. They can't see. There is no land everywhere. Everything is flooded. He and his family are bobbing in a boat like for 150 days, the Bible says. Like, I wonder what's ever going to happen here. And then the Bible says, but God remembered Noah. Noah. And everything changed. 
There's a story in the Bible about Jehoshaphat, and he's facing a huge army. In fact, sometimes the Bible describes it like, like the sands of the sea is how many there were. And he didn't feel like he had a chance, and he was going to go to battle against all of that. And the Bible says, but God will fight for you. Everything changed. In the book of Romans, it talks about, would anybody die for somebody? Like, Norm, would you die for me? The Bible. <laughs> he said, sure, pretty casually. The Bible says, most people aren't going to die for somebody else. Maybe for a righteous man, so thank you, Norm. Maybe for a righteous man. But then the next verse says, but God commanded his love toward us. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible says, the wages of sin is death. But, do you see but? Is, okay, it's all going to change. The wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. So when we read this, everybody's against David. All the people say there's no hope. But now I need Nate or Stephen up here on a drum roll. Okay, are you ready? But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. And because we don't understand what a shield means, it's like, but, wait for it, you're a shield. Oh, have you ever had that really anticlimactic moment when it's supposed to be really, really great and it isn't? That's what I feel like I just said to you. Like, God's our shield. Oh, I thought you were going to say something good. Okay, listen, God is a shield for us. Ready, guys? I took a shield-making 101 class. All right, load up. So now when fear, yeah. <laughs> so now when fear and aloneness and guilt or disease or a job or relationships or COVID, or school, despair, shame, guilt, when those things come flying at me, check out the difference. Let me have it. Come on, is that all you got? Come on, God is my shield, and all the things that they throw at me can never get me. Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> All right, all right. <laughs> all right, thank you very much, guys. Thank you. Do you catch what they started doing? And when I read up on shields, this was about the size I read mostly. Some shields were long and tall and protect all the way down. So I tried to figure out what a shield would look like. But listen, God doesn't give me a shield. God is the shield. I'm going to tell you that again. God does not give me a shield. God is the shield. And in case you didn't get it over here, this is... If you don't get anything else today, get this. 
God does not give me a shield. God is the shield. So what does that mean for me? It means that God himself, when all of this stuff comes at me, God himself is my shield. And when it comes at me, all the power of God is my shield. And things are coming at me, and it says he's a shield all around me. And this stuff comes at me, and here's God. He comes and he says to me, Mark, I'll be your shield, and I'm going to be all around you, and all of my power comes with us. So I guess probably we like to think of the biggest things, like when God parted the water. That's a powerful God. When God brings water from a rock, that's a powerful God. Because if I was looking for water, the last place I would go would be a rock. When a million or so people are out wandering in the desert, God feeds them every day. That's our God. And read through all of Scripture, all of the miracles of God, that power of God When I'm facing something, God says, I'll be your shield, and all of God comes on me. And when I'm thinking about the power of God, I thought of the verse that says that God is able to do, and if we just stop there, that's enough, because God, I'm struggling, and despair is coming at me, and God says, in all of my power, I'm the guy that can do. I'm the the being that can do, but I can't just do. I do exceedingly. And Mark, I'll do exceedingly abundantly for you. I'll do above all you ask. Get this. God says, I'll do more for you than you could even imagine. More than I can imagine? Look, we like to help God sometimes in the midst of our trouble. Like, give God a little idea or a plan. You know, we pray and we say, well, God, this, this, or this. And I could give you an example of that. I had a friend some years ago who needed a new roof on his house and he was struggling financially and he was in business and I thought well God I'll just pray that you would give him more work because if he had more work just makes sense he'd be able to afford a roof for his house so I'm praying God give him work God give him work but God did beyond what I could ask or I even imagined because you know what God did God sent a great wind and he blew down, blew down a great big tree. And the big tree landed on a building and on a fence and on a chicken coop. And the insurance adjuster came and gave him money to repair all that. And he said, can I do it myself? And he said, yeah. So he fixed everything and had enough money left to put a new roof on his house. God does for us beyond our wildest imagination And when I struggle, the God of power comes to me. Listen, when I'm struggling and I've got something in my life, the God of love comes on me as my shield. And I don't sometimes know how to explain God's love, so let me me just explain love this way. My wife is sitting over here. I love her very much. We've been married for almost 30 years. And that whole time, I went to work every day to provide for her because I love her. I love her so much. I'm retired now, or unemployed something, I guess retired. Um, 
I love her so much. Do you know I make breakfast for her a lot of days? And I love her so much, I grill for her at night. We cook out a lot of nights during the summer. I love her so much. I'm supposed to always ask before I use her for an illustration. I didn't. <laughs> I love her so much. She's got a little problem with her feet and needs really good shoes. I don't care when we spend a couple hundred dollars for shoes. In fact, I ask her, do you need shoes? I love her so much. Her thing is fiesta wear, the bright colored dishes. Like paper plates are fine, I don't really care. She likes fiesta wear. And we went someplace the other day and there was quite a bit of fiesta wear and I just left her alone. I was gonna come back to her later and I came back and her hands were empty. I'm like, you didn't buy any? Because I know she loves fiesta wear. In fact, there's a flea market in Lansing we've got our eye on because there's a lot of fiesta wear there. You know who keeps asking about going there? I do. I keep asking, when are we going to Lansing? Because I love you, Gwen. And I know you delight in fiesta wear. And it thrills me that I, to see her get some more fiesta wear. Listen, I have a God, and that love for Gwen, as flawed as it is, God loves me. I can't even tell you times more, more, more how much God loves me. I thought about this. I got to be really, really careful here. I fell in love with Gwen. Okay. When she was young and beautiful. <laughs> she hasn't changed. She's just older and beautiful. <laughs> okay. <clears throat> but do you know when God loved me? God directed his love toward me when I was sinful. But God commanded his love toward us while we were yet sinners. Christ died for us. God loves me so much. He is such my shield that when I was sinful, he came and died for me. Listen, Romans 8.32 says, He that spared not his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? You know what? God loves me. He gave his son, and he never stops giving to me. And the God that loves me that much, every time something that comes at me, and I allow him to be my shield, God hovers over me, not only with his power, but he hovers over me and protects me with his love. Listen. When these balls come flying at me, these fiery darts, God's peace covers me. He said, peace I leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world gives, give I unto you. Because the peace the world gives, that can come and go. But God is my shield and the God of peace comes over me and surrounds me all around me. The perfect shield would have been a plexiglass booth. But I didn't know how to make that. So the God of peace comes over me. When these balls come flying at me, God the victor comes over me. Deuteronomy 20 verse 4 says, For the Lord your God is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you the victory. 
And when I'm standing here someday and I'm saying, God, I'm so stressed out. Life is so hard. I don't get it. Imagine David. God, my own son wants to kill me. I'm the king and my own army wants to kill me. Oh, God. And God says to me, Mark, when those times come at you, when the world would attack you, I'm going to surround you with my peace. That's the kind of shield that God is. Listen. God the creator comes over me to be my shield. Let me read for you Isaiah chapter 40. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all the stars and brings them out one after another, calling each by its name? And he counts them to see that none are lost or have strayed away. Oh, Israel, how can you say that the Lord does not see your troubles? How can you say God has refused to hear your case? Have you never heard or understood? Don't you know that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth? He never grows faint or weary. No one can measure the depths of his understanding. No one gives power. Um, he gives power to those who are tired and weak and worn out. He offers strength to the weak. Listen, God the creator, the one who does, he spoke and the world came to being. And this passage says, see all those stars? He counts them. He numbers them. He knows them by name. And he is the one that watches over me. He's the one that watches over you. He is your shield. Let me ask you this. Why would you trust someone with less power than the Creator? I mean, I thrill that the Creator is for me. And He's the faithful one. First Thessalonians tells us that faithful is he who calleth you, who also will do it. Let me just make two comments here. Our view of God, our view of how big God is, is in direct proportion to how effective his shield is for us. When I look at God and I think of only a small God, that only makes a small shield. When I realize how big God is, and he's for me, and he offers to protect me and to be my shield, that's huge. Our view of God is so important. Listen, when David went to, remember David and Goliath? The army saw Goliath and saw how big Goliath was. David saw Goliath, but he knew how big God was. His view of God changed everything, and God is a shield for us. Let me get back to Psalm chapter 3. So we can identify with David sometimes. Verse 3 said, But you, O Lord, are a shield around me. I cried out to the Lord, verse 4, and he answered me. And look at verse 5. I laid down and slept. You know, when I was younger, if I had a problem or a worry, 
I went to bed and I slept. Now you know what I do? I lay there. How many of you have sleepless nights? How many of you are stressed out and you just can't, you just can't get there, you can't sleep? But the Bible says, God is my shield. Look at, look at what David says. He says, God is my shield. David understood what that meant. And then he said, I laid down and slept. May I do my best David imitation? Do you know why David could sleep? Because all of his worry, all of his care, all of the stress of that day, he said, God, I can't handle it. I give it to you. And Psalm 28 tells us that David, with his whole heart, let me read you that passage, says that David, with his whole heart, trusted God. The Lord is my strength, my shield from every danger. I trust him with all my heart. David said, God, it's not about me anymore. It's not about me trying to dodge these balls when the kids throw them. You are my shield. I acknowledge you as the all-powerful God. I acknowledge you as the great and living God. I acknowledge you as the creator and the God of power. God, I know that you're eternal. I know you're from beginning to end. And he looks and he says, I know who you are, God. And because I know you, your shield is enough for me. And David laid down and he slept because he had confidence in God. And the next verse tells us, did God disappoint him at all? The next verse says, I woke up in safety. David gave it all to God. He said, I trust you completely. You are my shield. I woke up in safety, for the Lord was watching over me. I am not afraid of 10,000 enemies who surround me on every side. Let me tell you the rest of the story a minute about David. David's on the run. Absalom is after him. They finally meet up in, in 2 Samuel 18, and there's going to be a battle. And God helps David. Listen, let me, let me just even do this a minute. Sometimes you might say, God, I'm trusting you. You're my shield. Then why am I struggling so much? And I understand that sometimes it doesn't seem like God answers when we need him. I have to remind you that God is eternal. Um, I think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They trusted God with all their heart. They trusted God as their shield. The word's not used there. But they said, if we go in the furnace, and even if we die, we don't care. We trust you, God, because you're our shield. Now, we think the shield should have happened before they got in the furnace. We think Daniel on the lion's den, the shield should have happened before he got in with the lions. But God allowed him in there. Listen, God is our shield. 
I read Hebrews chapter 11 of all the heroes of the faith, how God did great things in, for those in the first part of the book. And then it says, but some were sawn in two. Like, I want to be the other guys. And some were torn asunder. And people suffered. Listen, even though we struggle, God is our shield. And there are some things that the enemy or the world can never take from us. They can never take my peace, my joy, my hope. They can never take my salvation. They can never take eternity from God away from me. I stand secure in that, and God is my shield. And I know sometimes it hurts, and you identify with David. And you know how I told you God, the creator, is able to do beyond what we think or even imagine? The battle takes place, and let me sum it up for you here in one verse. The battle raged all across the countryside, and more men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. More men died because of the forest than were killed by the sword. Pastor Jeremy, could you explain that for us, please? No. (laughs) It's like, what does that mean? More men died because of the forest. You know what? God did beyond what we could imagine. And reading commentaries and listening to sermons and stuff, there's debate. Was, was the forest full of lions and bears? Was the forest full of rocks that maybe when they climbed on them, fell on them? Was the forest full of pits? Did trees fall on them in the forest? Uh, some suggest that the forest was so thick that when they tried to retreat, they couldn't, and they were killed because of that. Listen, I don't totally understand what it means when more were killed because of the forest than the battle. But I can tell you what what it does mean. It means that God was a shield around them and he protected them. Could I just read? You know what you do? When God is your shield and he protects you. Chapter 2, verse 12 says, But what joy for all who find protection in him. And Psalm 28, where it said, The Lord is my strength and my shield from every danger. I trust him with all my heart. He helps me, and my heart is filled with joy, and I burst out in song of thanksgiving. God, When I give myself to God, when I give all my troubles, my issues to God, I say, you are greater than I ever could be. I trust you with all of my heart. You know what? My attitude changes. My view of the problem changes because God is now in control. I can lay down and sleep, and I can burst out in song. God is so good. God is so good. God is so good. He's so good to me. What if he burst out, and I know it wasn't written yet, then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. And suddenly there's a thrill and an excitement when we let God be our shield. Listen, let me just close with a couple of these other verses here a minute. Get you to the end of the chapter. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. And Jeremy, you and your team can come. I'm I'm finishing up here. Arise, O Lord, rescue me, my God. 
slap all my enemies in the face, shatter the teeth of the wicked. And the way I can only understand is he said, God, humiliate them. God, defeat them. And I find humor in shatter the teeth of the wicked. My daughter works at an animal shelter, and there's a little dog there. I think it was a chihuahua. I don't remember what it was. But there's a little dog, and he is so mean. And he barks and seems so ferocious, but he hasn't got a tooth in his mouth. I don't know how that happened or what happened there. But that, that dog couldn't hurt you. I mean, he could gum your leg or something. When God is our shield, he defeats our enemy. And the last verse here, victory comes from you, O Lord. May your blessing rest on your people. Look, you can stand here on your own, or you can trust God to be your shield. Let's pray. Father, um, so many times we stand alone in our own strength, and we face all the issues of life, and we try and try and try until there's no more left. And Father, sometimes we don't find out that you're big enough until we have nothing left in ourselves. And we acknowledge you as the great and the mighty God who delights and thrills to be our shield. And so, Father, help us to be quick to call upon you to allow you to work in our lives. And then may we celebrate in song for all that you have done. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope that what you heard inspires you to take the next step in your faith. If you have questions about this message or would like more information about our church, we invite you to check us out at fbczealand.org or call us at 616-772-4377.